Good afternoon. You're listening to Live and Learn with me, Dashran Johan. Housing and Local Government Minister Datuk Sri Rizal Marikan recently announced Carnival Jombali Rumah 2022, in which 10,000 affordable homes nationwide will be offered, priced at 300,000 ringgit and below. But is this a good initiative and what should constitute affordable housing in the first place? Join me on the show to discuss all of this and more is Iskandar Faris. He's the Communications Director at the Think Tank, Refsa. Welcome to the show, Iskandar. How are you doing? Thank you, Dashan. I'm doing fine. Very well. Thank you. Let's uh, Before we break things down, right, Iskandar, what are your overall thoughts on the announcement by the Housing and Lo- Local Government Minister? Well, when we talk about affordable housing, um, 300,000 ringgit, uh, that means the homeowners per se will need to pay 1.5 thousand ringgit of mortgage a month, assuming a tenure of uh, 30 years. So that's an entire minimum wage. If you're a minimum wage owner, earner, uh, yeah, I think there must be a reason why uh, there is a available stock of around 10k of uh, housing. And if we look at the data, the National Property Information Center (NAPIC) uh, stated that there are more than 35,000 units of residential property uh, worth more than uh, 22 billion ringgit that, that remain unsold in quarter one of 2022. So when we look at all these numbers, there must be a reason for it, uh, why uh, there are available stock and why there is a glut. So I, I, I would like to propose that, that this is a symptom, a larger symptom uh, or, or a symptom of a larger problem that is uh, housing right now is considered an investment asset for individuals rather than a social asset for society as a whole. Uh, there is a glut because uh, we, we keep building high-end properties uh, and we think the affordable housing that we build are affordable, but at the end of the day, it's still beyond the reach of the average Malaysians. Uh, so to address this, we must rethink the entire concept of home ownership especially for urban and suburban areas. Now, you bring up an interesting point about how, you know, even these affordable housing, um, you know, we can look at 300,000 and whatnot, while they are somewhat affordable, uh, when you actually break it down to how much people have to pay on a monthly basis, it's, it's, thank, it's frankly not that affordable because we are talking, like you mentioned, up to 1,500 ringgit a month um, of mortgage. So with all of that in mind, right, what would you say should constitute an affordable housing um, in in Malaysia, what should the price range of an actual affordable house be? When we talk about affordable housing, we we can't ignore the side of uh, the other side of the equation, which is the income. Houses are unaffordable for multiple reasons. Uh, one being uh, the income is low. The income of most Malaysians are low. Um, if we look, Malaysia's GDP uh, shrank about 5.6% uh, in 2020 during the onslaught of COVID-19. But house prices at, during that time increased by 03 on average. So even in the midst of recession, housing prices still increased. Uh, recently, housing price increased some more because uh, we see the, the constraints of uh, 
I mean, the rise of cost of materials, uh, probably because of the stability of the market. So it's a supply side crisis. Uh, so that propped up the, the cost of houses. Um, but I think it is an amalgamation of all these problems. Uh, I mean, I've said it earlier, it's symptomatic of the policy problem uh, that how we, we have transformed housing as a commodity of investment. Uh, I mean, the last time we, we remember, I think everyone's talking about housing, how they're going to flip the housing. Right. They're going to buy and then flip the housing. There are people who are, who are buying to rent it out. Uh, so we have housing. We have own uh, owners of house. Although 10k still are uh, uh, for 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 those uh, segment of uh, below 300,000 ringgit, 10k remain unsold. But those who are so uh, the, the the houses that have owners doesn't mean that they have occupiers because they are waiting to be rented out. They wait. They are waiting for the next buyer. So these are fundamental issues that I think we need to address uh, when we talk about. Affordability it really depends on um, on the income of the society, uh, but uh, it shouldn't be more than thirty percent of uh, a person's income. And if you go beyond that, and if you max out on that because you want to own a house, something is wrong with the society somewhere. So I I, I propose we need to shift the paradigm. We need to rethink ownership towards a more rental kind of model. Uh, why? Uh, because uh, let me tell you a story during the pandemic, uh, KL especially, uh, we faced the problem of ghost city, a ghost city. Uh, if we remember that time, uh, we had the PKP or the lockdown. Uh, surprising for us. I mean, although if we look at the data, it's not that surprising. Um, the traffic with, within KL is literally non-existent. Uh, the the we then start to realize that KL is only uh congested because people go there to work. People right. are there uh, during weekdays to work, but when it comes to uh the pandemic and PKP, people are not uh people aren't uh, allowed to go to work physically. Mm-hmm. We see. Uh, the emptying or the uh, the 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 transformation of KL into a ghost city. Right. This was detrimental to businesses or uh, traders who operate in the city because they rely on this traffic. Mm. So we have a situation where the inner cities in KL uh, are emptying out. People are now living in the suburbs, more than thirty minutes away, or some live in Nilai or Seremban and then commute to KL because of the, the, the reality of unaffordable uh, uh, abode in KL or the urban areas. So people are sprawling out to, to, uh, to suburbs uh, and uh, more outskirts of the city. So this is an issue. Um, we need to repopulate the inner cities. Uh, one way to do that is... Uh, affordable housing, but maybe not ownership, more on renting and how we can get multiple communities to begin to set into uh, the city back again. Right. And But how would you respond to people 
because there is an argument to be made about renting, right? That, you know, how, how many years are you going to rent for? Whereas when you own a property, eventually, even if you take 30 years mortgage or 35 years, when you're 60, 65, if you can pay it all the way through, the house is yours. Whereas when it comes to renting, you know, even once you're retired, you don't own a, a home. How would you respond to that argument? Well, there are many asset classes that, uh, that is available for investment. To just hone in uh, housing as an asset class, I think it would be putting all your eggs into one basket because it's a big, very big basket and it takes a long time to fill up, right. about 30 years or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some because of this uh, unaffordability of housing, uh, some developers have uh, even proposed multi-generational loans. So what, what are we talking about here? We are talking about your children or maybe your grandchildren paying up your own debt. Yep. So you imagine you buy a property and then you tie your children to that property, you tie your, uh, the next generation to that property, but it, that, that doesn't mean that your, your offspring would want to live there anyway. So that's also a problem. I mean, we are basically living in a contradiction anyway. Uh, there is a massive glut, but at the same time, some, uh, uh, some segment of society do not have adequate housing. Uh, and then with the interest rate rising, the OPR, uh, I, I don't see how that will go away. It might make things worse uh, other than doing or like focusing on building affordable housing, which are beyond the reach of many Malaysians as well, uh, we are not looking at other areas. We are not trying to normalize renting as a viable option. The stigma around renting is still there, uh, understandably, because people think we need to own an asset as we grow older. But in some societies, even like Singapore, when we talk about ownership, it's basically a long-term rent. Because HDBs, some of the HDBs are actually lease properties. Right. So I think it's about a mindset shift that can't be done overnight in its gradual change. We've been stuck in this idea of house owning democracy, uh, that we, we have a mental block to, to look at other options uh, that might be more financially viable and more sustainable in the in the long term. Now, Iskada, you brought up um, the overnight policy rate, which um, is increasing. Um, recently, they did uh, increase the OPR to two point two five percent. Now, people also argue that you know this increase in OPR will affect public interest in buying houses, especially in the immediate future. What are your thoughts on this? Um, for the benefit of the listeners, I'll just uh, do a sim- simple description. Mm-hmm. So basically, uh, the OPR is the uh, overnight policy rate uh, where uh, it dictates the rate, the interest rate that uh, the banks loan to, to one another. So um, a lower OPR will create a domino effect of lower interest rates. So this means uh, it will encourage more spending, uh, spur borrowing activities because money is cheap. Uh, thus stimulating the domestic economy. A higher OPR, on the other hand, will translate to higher interest rate overall, making borrowing and having um, to get money more expensive, 
so it will affect the decisions to buy and to invest. Uh, in terms of housing, most of our housing loan, uh, they are flexi loan or they are those loans that have uh, variable interest rates. So it goes up and down according to OPR. So those with a, a variable loan will see either uh, the payment every month increasing or the the length of the loan, uh, the maturity of the loan extending. So they have to pay for longer time. On the show with me today is Iskandar Faris. He's the comms director of REFSA. After the break, I ask him if Malaysia has a housing crisis. Keep it here on Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Live and Learn. I'm Dashran Johan and on the show with me today is Iskandar Faris. He's the comms director of REFSA. And we're talking about affordable housing. This is in light of the upcoming carnival, Joan Burley Rumah 2022. So Iskandar, what would you say is the key problem here? Why can't the average Malaysian afford to buy houses anymore? And it has been the case for about a decade or so now things are getting worse and I know you you brought up the case about a mindset shift right towards renting um, you know and, and destigmatizing that and all of that which is interesting because of the situation that we find ourselves in right so we need to try and adjust accordingly and, and, and so on and so forth but if you ask the average person I think most people not for investment, not for flipping houses. And the average person wants to buy a home and, and hopefully they'll be able to pass it down to their children and things like that. Why can't the average Malaysian afford to buy houses anymore the same way our parents did, our grandparents did? Okay, so uh, before I go through uh, explaining uh, those in details, I think I'll, I'd like to point out that uh, the, the speculation uh, nature or the the tendency to treat housing as investment eventually crowds out people who genuinely want to uh, own properties uh, for the sake of living in it. Right. Right. Absolutely. Uh, so that uh, we need to have that in mind. Uh, and uh, when we talk about uh, housing affordability, other than what we mentioned earlier, uh, Malaysians, we need to bear in mind, especially B40s and even M40s, are, are highly inundated with household debts. Now, when we talk about household debts, uh, imagine like going through uh, every milestone in your life, uh, going to studies, you, you get your PTPTN, uh, and then you get your credit card as you uh, start working, uh, and then you need a car. Uh, you have a if you even if you rent uh, your house, you need a, you still need a car right. because uh, the way we design our uh, our cities, they are not uh, pedestrian friendly. They are not uh, accessible to public transport. We still need a car. So this uh, results in the accumulation of uh, household debts that then excludes us from being eligible or like some people from being eligible to to get. Uh, loans for for housing, mm -hmm. so people uh, it will be difficult for banks to give loans to certain individuals because they have uh, accumulated that much uh, that much of uh, household debt uh, to be able to sustain another uh, loan, which is a housing loan, which is a very big uh, ticket item. Um, in fact, Bank Negara uh, mentioned that seventy six percent of households have savings that can only cover less than three months of uh, their living expenses. Mm -hmm. And in its uh, 2021 report, 
Benegara also points out that 65% of borrowers already have either a car or personal loans. So, uh, I mean, this gels back with uh, the, the, uh, the figure that in within the region itself, uh, Malaysia has one of the highest household debt to GDP uh, ratio at 89% compared to uh, 9.9% of Philippines, 17.2% 7, in Indonesia, 697 in Singapore. And uh, okay, we are comparable to Thailand around 89.3%. Right. Uh, so I think this is an, uh, an alarming figure and um, we, we need to relook at how uh, we, we do things. Uh, in fact, uh, when we talk about affordability, uh, I mean, Singapore is one of the models. There are many models. We can look at Germany. We can look at uh, Belgium. Uh, these are places where they, okay, Singapore has uh, a high home ownership. Germany, in, a, a, in, a, uh, in another sense, have 50-50% uh, mix, uh, right. 50, almost 50% renter, uh, renters and uh, the other homeowners. But what they do is they destigmatize uh, public housing. When we look at PPR, although it's a ownership, it's an ownership model. Um, there are a few issues that we 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 come across when we we go in deeper. One is the stigma that comes with PPR because it's a housing for the poor. Even though we don't say it, uh in uh directly, but it is implied that PPR uh, dwellers are. Of the of a poorer segment of the B forty, so it it comes with a stigma. It comes with a negative connotation that people don't want to stay in PPR. Right. Uh, so public housing somehow it is related to a, a lower or uh, a slower social mobility uh, progress. Uh, then there's also a, a concern when one stays in PPR, what happens to the children? Do they still stay in PPR or do they get another PPR? Or like how long does a, a, a family occupies a unit? Mm -hmm. There's also a, a concern about maintenance, uh, the ownership of the community itself, the placemaking issue. Uh, even though they, are, they, they call ownership, but some, uh, when some places or some PPRs become uh, under-maintained, and uh, almost ignored to a certain space, like shared spaces within PPRs, uh, hasn't been maintained uh, to its required standard. So these are all the issues I think that we need to look upon. Uh, when we look at, when we talk about uh, housing affordability, we need to talk about what comes with the space as well. Um, the design and spaces that we want, uh, the, the community, uh, that we want to live with uh, accessibility to public transport uh, and uh, road areas, as well as financing. How do we finance that? So I, you know, when we look at a social housing model, these are the few things that we need to look into. And I don't see how ownership can still uh, be a function of that if we want to move forward for housing, uh, an agenda of housing for all. The question is right how did we get to this point because when we look our parents i'm saying broadly speaking um you know grandparents generation it was very af reasonably affordable if you get a 
if you if you get a professional job, for example, um, even if you are a teacher and so on and so forth, you will be able to to buy a house more than likely. But that's becoming you know almost impossible um, today. How did we get to this point? Is it do we are we in a housing crisis? And also, is it because of the likes of let's say privatization policies? Um, is it because we gave too much leeway um, to um, let's say property developers, um, and we don't have enough regulation in terms of how many um, properties um, individuals can buy, um, so the ultra wealthy don't control the the market too much. Uh, how did we get to this point where housing is such a difficult thing for people to to buy? Like how people can't acquire houses anymore. It goes back to the the initial point that we discussed about in our conversation today. How investment, uh, how housing has uh, has become an asset class and construed as uh, a big ticket investment item. Right. Um, uh, and I think that creates perverse in uh, perverse uh, incentive for for different actors. I'm not uh, singling out any uh, one uh, party, but many actors have perverse uh, interest to or incentive to, to act in a certain way that eventually result in uh, crowding out uh, right. those who cannot afford it to, to, to live in certain areas, uh, a sort of gentrification or uh, chasing them out of certain areas. Uh, if we look at uh, the example, maybe uh, in KL last time, it wasn't as dense or PJ or some uh, uh, other suburbs in uh, the Klang Valley. But as we move along, time as uh, as we progress uh, more people start to live uh, in that area of course naturally the price will go higher uh, there will be a growth in price but the the act of buying houses just for the sake of investment and flipping it in the future uh, search the price even higher and this uh, you you chase out genuine people who want to live there and buy. The, that's also the inherent problem with ownership because when we own, uh, we, we start to own different uh, properties, spaces, buildings within the city, uh, then the only natural progression is people are going to start to uh, live uh, in a sprawling manner, uh, right. going uh, further and further from the city center. Uh, we have... Uh, Last time in the 80s, it was Subang Jaya being developed to cater for the, the overflow from KL or PJ. And then Sha'alam uh, was created. And then now people, we see people staying in Rawang to, to go to uh, KL. Some uh, in Nilai, Nagasmila is another state. Uh, Nilai, Seremban, driving uh, almost hour and a half to go to the city commuting for 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 their daily work yep. even uh, even in 2013 i remember uh, having colleagues who stay in rawang taking the ktm every day uh, to go to the city to work so we see this uh, pattern if it we don't arrest it uh, now it will sprawl even further and we can see how uh, some people are reluctant to buy because it's so out of their reach so i mean Going towards rental is a good thing, but we must go or opt for it for the right reasons, not because there are no more uh, choices. Uh, so it needs to be a conscious decision. 
So I'm not saying that we abolish the, the concept of house uh, ownership altogether, but we have a differentiated mix. Right. Uh, we need to make rental desirable. We need to make rental uh, a go-to choice, but we also need to protect uh, tenants uh, in their interest because I understand how insecure it can be if someone doesn't own a property, they can be evicted at any time. Yeah. So that is where legislation comes in, where we need to uh, beef up uh, certain uh, parts of our law to have a Tenant Protection Act itself so that uh, tenancy or rental become uh, the go-to um, uh, option. And also, I think uh, what we need to call out is uh, how investment gurus nowadays uh, are encouraging more uh, irresponsible home ownership. Uh, some go to the extent of uh, advising their clients to buy and then renovate it so that they can rent every single uh, room. So imagine what that does to uh, the, the, the price of the market. It distorts, uh, definitely distorts uh, the price of the market. And are we expecting this distortion to, to sort of, you know, build towards some sort of crescendo and, and burst in, in that sense? Um, because we know the property market, as we've talked about um, throughout the show, doesn't obey the, the laws of, or, or, you know, the general sort of rule of thumb when it comes to supply and demand and, and all of these things. It's a skewed market, it's speculative, it's an investor-driven, investor-controlled market, M multiple actors uh, manipulate or cause the, the, the surge in the market, uh, the prices and, and all of that. Are we expecting this to eventually just burst? Well, uh, I don't have the data to anticipate a bubble or uh, to, to foresee where the trajectory of the housing uh, market will go to. But I, I assume more qualified person out there can, uh, can give the figures. Uh, but naturally... The more housing loans the banks give to those who are already highly indebted, um, at some point it may lead to uh, 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 a tumbling of the Jenga blocks. Right. Uh, if you, so although maybe not right now, but eventually, uh, as we put more blocks of Jenga onto the, the already unstable structure, things will eventually unravel. Uh, so. Uh, we should be careful. Uh, we, we, we should try to find a solution while we still have the breathing space. Uh, it's not prudent to wait until everything comes to a crash and then we decide what to do next. Let's talk a little bit about some solutions. You've touched on it throughout this conversation, but just to you know, round up everything, what are some important policies we need to implement to resolve our unaffordable housing problem, either in the both in the short term as well in the long term. Okay, so uh, when when I introduced the concept of uh, housing for all through rent or via rent, so we need to start to create a segment of product. I mean, I use product in in a loose way, uh, a segment of product that is rental based and also uh, can be. Um, can be used by multiple segments of the society. So if we imagine why rental is a good concept here, uh, as a single uh, young uh, professional, we might not need a three-bedroom apartment. Right. So building or developing buildings 
for this kind of purpose, uh, for young professionals, uh, maybe don't have a car park, no need swimming pool. So that gives someone uh, who, who just starting out uh, in, in his uh, or her own career a place to live, a decent place to live, a dignified place to live with uh, common areas that, are fit, that is fitting for that age group. And then maybe when uh, a person progresses through his, uh, his or her life stage, uh, he or she will get married and then move to another, uh, uh, another unit that is bigger, uh, have uh, three rooms so that the kids uh, can also live there. Then when you reach a certain point of life, you retire, uh, the kids are out of the house, uh, you might not need uh, such a big house anymore. Right. You, you might need a smaller house, but some, something that is integrated with assisted living or uh, a shared service that, that is integrated with the, the country's healthcare. So these are all conceptual ideas, but uh, I think we can work towards uh, something like that in the future. Uh, so if you see the the, the time period for each uh, stage in life, you don't need to buy a house. You you can uh, you can actually save up for other investments in in your lifetime and for other expenses. If you want to travel, if you want to do or. Uh, spend on your passion or your your free time you can do that because you have the extra money the problem we have today is that the urgency to buy a house regardless of your own capabilities of or your own constraints that is a, is a recipe for for disaster because uh, we we think that owning a house is uh, be all and all and then we disregard uh whatever constraint we might have to just own a house at the end of the day then we might go into bankruptcy we might go into further debt just to get into that uh, just to get to that objective uh, on top of that i think when we talk about housing uh, government will play a role a bigger role uh, obviously without the financial incentives or the financial reward a uh, private sector wouldn't wouldn't be uh, running towards this opportunity mm -hmm. but there are uh, uh, there are opportunities out there for for certain spaces uh, like uh, unutilized offices uh, unutilized shopping areas or recreational areas to be converted into multi-purpose living spaces so what, what we're talking about is uh, some parts of uh, the building can be used for residential, some parts can be used for commercial, and then uh, there will be a common area for the community to interact and mingle. Uh, and of course, urban planning needs to come in hand. Uh, uh, public transport, especially buses, uh, need to be able to access to these uh, spaces. So when we look into the future, uh, we don't want... Uh, abandoned buildings to be the key characteristic of Kuala Lumpur or the city center. Taking over that space and turning into a usable uh, space like a multi-purpose living plus social space could be uh, the next key thing for, for us to think about as a society. Uh, social housing schemes, housing trusts, munici municipal boards, for example, could be methods that we explore as funding models to 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 this uh, to this development at the end of the day i stress that the design of the units the public 
space, how we use the space should be the front and center. Uh, if you want to make this type of housing more um, preferable, if not, we are going to see uh, a society that is uh, quite sad in a way that we have a paradox of empty homes, but homeless people. Before we wrap this conversation up, would you have a final message for us? I think it is gargantuan challenge for us to shift away. We are stuck in this, uh, in this mental block of uh, ownership that we somehow uh, disregard why we build houses in the first place. Why, is, why are we talking about houses in the first place? Uh, we, when we talk about housing, we need to put roof on top of everyone's head. It's a source of economic security. Of course, owning a house is part of the equation of economic security, but to be realistic, not everyone can own houses. And I'm talking just about the urban areas and suburban areas. Uh, there, there is a different consideration for, for rural areas because uh, the cost formula is different. So when we talk about housing, we shouldn't just obsessed with how many units are being provided. We also need to talk about what is it aimed for, what it needs to be, what's its purpose, how the design can create a better, more vibrant community for all. And I think there is no better time to talk about it rather than today. Thank you so much for joining me today, Iskandar. Thank you. Thank you, Dashan. That was Iskandar Faris. He's the Communications Director at the Think Tank Refsa. If you missed any part of our conversation, you can also check us out on podcasts. We're available on the BFM app, bfm.my, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dutchman Johan, and this has been Live and Learn, BFM 89.9.